Well, good morning to everyone. Trust it's a blessing to be here today. I know that, uh, I think as Brother Alvin shared a little bit, it was a blessing to be here through the week. And it's hard not to, to be under the week of teaching, even though we know we who are here uh, serving as staff, uh, there, there's a lot that we get out of the messages. I mean, they're, they're directed to the youth, but you know, God speaks through his word, and his word came forth over this last week, and uh, I'm sure all of us were touched, all of us learned more of God and who he is and, and what, uh, what he wants to see in our lives. Before we go on, I think, I'll, I think maybe we'll have a word of prayer, and uh, something uh, Brother David said there just made me think, as we pray, maybe we should stand, you know, we should... Uh, honor the Lord in that. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we are, are thankful that you, you care for us. Lord, in fact, your word says that you have a desire that all men would be saved, that all men would turn and come to you. But yet at the same time, we realize that Jesus himself said that the, the gate is narrow and the path is narrow and few are going to find it. Although it is your desire that many would come, it's our hard-heartedness as men, it's our pride as men that prevents all the things that, that you will for us, that you desire for us to come to fruition. Lord, just pray your blessing on the, uh, all the students. Lord, as they go forth, uh, Lord, that the things they heard and learned and that you have impressed upon their hearts would uh, bring fruit, continued fruit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, through the week, I walked around with one of these, these little ring binders. All the students had one as well. I trust that, uh, speaking to the students here, that you notice this, this one verse. You're, I'm, I guess maybe it was the, the theme verse for the week since it was on the front of this binder. It says, laying up in store for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And there's this illustration, illustration as I see it, of, of some building blocks and a corner. And uh, something for us to consider, and, and as I uh, bring forth the message this morning, it's going to be in consideration of just this very thing, this, this idea of a foundation. If we look to uh, where that scripture is found in 1 Timothy, let's go there for just a, just a minute, just as we, we open things up. It's always good to consider the context of where a verse is being pulled from. Now, if we look to the preceding verses and the, the few verses that come after that, maybe it tells us something. Uh, we really, really would have to go back to the beginning of chapter to get the full uh, measure of what uh, Paul's trying to say. But, but we, can, we can look at some of these verses that, that come just before. We look at verse four, uh, 14 there in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, Paul says, uh, well, actually 13. I say, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, then you wonder what is this and you have to go backward and look at some more things. And and so in the context here, there, there's... 
there's many sound teachings that are coming forth in this this uh, in this writing to uh, Timothy. If we look at the verse uh, verse seventeen, there, it's a it's a declaration. It's an admonition. He says. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. You know, there's, there's, there's so much that we could, we, we could do a study on this, uh, an overview of this entire book to to really pull back and look at what what is Paul talking about here. But the fact is this: there is there's a foundation that has to be in place. There's a foundation that has to be laid. As we look at this verse, there's at least three questions. First Timothy six nineteen that maybe maybe quite readily comes to our minds. What is this good foundation that Paul is making reference to? That's one question. Number two, he talks about a time to come, laying themselves a good foundation against the time to come. What is this time to come? Third question, just out of this simple verse, what is the purpose or the end result of establishing a good foundation. So we're going to look into these questions, and uh, I trust that we'll we'll have some answers. We'll answer the last question first. According to this verse, there's a necessity of a good foundation. I don't think we can argue with that. There's a necessity for a good foundation the second question talks about a time to come we can find the answer for that in Matthew uh, chapter 25 verse 31 when the son of man shall come in his glory and all his holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them all nations He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. There is a time coming when Jesus himself is going to separate everything out. He's going to separate his sheep. Did you catch that? His sheep from the goats. He has his sheep. And then we have an answer to the last question. What is a good foundation? I'm going to have us turn to the book of Luke, chapter 6. Luke, chapter 6. Verse 46. Here in my Bible, there's a little subtitle over this passage, beginning at verse 46. It says, the two foundations. And Jesus said, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, And do not the things which I say. Whosoever cometh uh, to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, And could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth, 
and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Some weeks back, uh, I was in, in Haiti with a small team, and uh, we were working on some projects there. And there was a project that has been started, a, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many years ago, but you know how, if you're familiar with Haiti, if you're familiar with how things go in third world countries, sometimes buildings projects get started, and it takes a long time for them to get finished. You know, part of it is because of, uh, I think, maybe money. Part of it is maybe shortage of labor. I'm not sure what all the reasons. Shortage of materials, maybe. But it seems like it takes a long time. You often see buildings that are partway done, and you see uh, rebar sticking up through the roof, and, and it's, it's not completed. And I noticed uh, where we were working, there's a, you know, couldn't help but, but notice it, because we were walking over it all the time, but there's, there's a foundation laid for a future building. And that, that foundation is just, it's just, you know, so many inches wide and maybe only this thick. I'm not sure. But it's just, it seems to me, it's like, I wondered to myself, how good is this foundation? It's just basically laid right on the ground. There's, doesn't seem like there's a lot of substance to it. I wonder how well, I just had the thought. This is three weeks ago. I wonder how well a foundation like this that's just sitting right there on the ground is going to hold up. Of course, you know, you know how it is here. You know how it is uh, in Iowa and Wisconsin and here in the Midwest. You've got to dig down. If you're going to put a foundation for a building, you've got to dig deep. And there's, reasons, uh, there's different reasons for it. You know, there's the frost line and all that. But, but we know that if we're going to build a building, we need to have a deep foundation. It needs to go down. And I had that thought in my mind, how good is a, is a shallow foundation going to be? But Jesus said, it needs to be deep. Deep. You know, those are, that's a spiritual, scriptural principle. It's a practical principle, too. If anybody has ever built a building or been involved in a building, you know that foundations have to go deep. No doubt about it. They have to. Especially in our climate. So Jesus says there's two kinds of foundations. There's a deep foundation, and he even says it's on a rock. Now, I was looking at this a little bit, you know, and you think about bedrock. You know, what is bedrock? Well, bedrock is, it could be a ways down before you hit bedrock, before you just hit rock. I mean, all the different types of soil are gone, and now there's bedrock. And in construction, you want to have a solid base. You want a solid foundation, so... uh, you know, most, most structures don't, they're not built on bedrock. You'd have to go ways down. But you excavate, you come down to a proper level, you, you examine the soil, make sure it's, that you're on good soil, you're on firm soil, and then a foundation is poured. And that's what we do today. We pour concrete. We pour, we pour it wide, and we pour it strong, and we, and we go deep, and we, we get a good foundation. But this other foundation that Jesus talks about um, is no foundation at all, really. So there really isn't two foundations. One is a foundation. It's a real foundation. But the other one is not at all because he says, it's a house that's built upon the earth. It's just, it's, it's like you just, start, you just start putting a frame right on the ground. You just start laying block right on the ground, right there, just... Just start at ground level. And we can think in those practical terms of construction, you know, to be foolish to do that. But let's think about how the, the, the Bible speaks about this earth. It talks about things that are earthly, sensual, things of this earth, things of this world, things that are temporal. They're not going to last. And a building that's built on the earth with no foundation is not going to last. No way. It's just not going to last. So in a practical sense, we understand the importance 
in the construction of housing and buildings, bridges, and other structures, we know that there needs to be a good foundation. That's one of those things you just you could say, it's a no-brainer. If you don't have a good foundation, it's just not going to last. Now, the great pyramids of Egypt are estimated to be uh, over 4,500 years old. You know, and you know, these scholars that debate all this stuff, you know, sometimes they say they're a little older than that, maybe not quite that old, but the fact is they've been around for thousands of years. Thousands of years. Now, I think the pyramids have suffered a little bit of deterioration, lack of maintenance. Uh, I don't know what maintenance you do on a pyramid, but, but it's just a fact that over time, you know, it's weathered some. But yet the, they're still there. They're still solid. They're not falling down because a, a good foundation wasn't laid. Sometimes you have to wonder, you know, these, these uh, designers, these craftsmen, I think you could call it craftsmen, who constructed the pyramids. Wow, the knowledge they had in construction. I had this thought, you know, if we were going to build a pyramid today, how long would it take? You know, it took them, I think, uh, some of these pyramids took uh, anywhere from 50 to 80 years to build. So it was a lifetime. But I wonder how long it would take, take us with our technology to build, build one today. And we, we couldn't do it the way they did. It would be impossible about Because evidently there was a, a craft and a skill they had that's been lost. It's not to say we can't build, but... So there's buildings that are thousands of years old, still standing. There's buildings in Europe and other places in the world, I discovered as I did some research, there's a lot, there's a lot of structures standing today. Thousands of years old. That are in good shape. I mean, they are... In in fact, there's, there's some I found that as I was doing research and digging into this a little bit, there are buildings that are over 1,500 years old, in good shape, and still being used. Still in use. Now, some of our museums, and uh, maybe the use has changed of that particular building, but can you imagine? Built so solidly 1,500 years later, still there. Still standing today. Contrary-wise, I was also able to find reports of relatively new buildings that collapsed due to uh, foundation and other structural failure. I mean, you don't have to look too hard if you do some searching. One example of that was the uh, Royal Plaza Hotel, which uh, I wonder about the name Royal uh, in light of the fact that the building collapsed. But this Royal Plaza Hotel in, in Thailand, a report I read said that uh, the, the building, this hotel, was transformed from a multi-story, uh, six-story luxury hotel complex. It was transformed from that into a pile of rubble in 10 seconds. 10 seconds is what the uh, eyewitnesses and, and authorities reported. It was fast. And you can imagine the, the, the words of Jesus. And great was the fall of it. Great. With much uh, loss of life. And, and they... Uh, those who examined it all decided that the, the reason it fell was because uh, the failure of the ground support system. And there was a series of columns, I understand, and when one failed because, of, because it wasn't done right, or it, it didn't exactly say what it was, but one failed, and immediately another one failed, and another one, and very quickly it collapsed. So 4,000 years ago, they could build a pyramid, and it's standing today. Today, buildings are built, and they don't last very long, it seems like. Some of them. Why? There's a reason why. Well, in this particular case, the foundation wasn't good enough even to support the weight of the building. Again, Paul says in 1 Timothy... 619, a good foundation was needed to lay 
hold of eternal life. So, what can we conclude? If there's not a good foundation, in the very beginning, how can you lay hold of eternal life? Jesus stresses the importance of hearing and doing. According to his teachings, and he illustrates it by comparing the integrity or the soundness of a deep, solid foundation versus a foundation that has no foundation at all. Now the scripture says, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other, if it's not Jesus as the foundation, there is no foundation. There's nothing. It's the earth. And that's a, that's a spiritual principle. If it's not Jesus, your foundation for your life is just based on the earth, on the sensual. And I think Brother David mentioned that. I think it was him that just mentioned that, you know, this earth is, or maybe it was Brother Alvin, this earth belongs to Satan. For time. And so, if the foundation isn't Jesus, it's based on things that are of this world, of this earth. They're temporal. They're not going to last. Now, I think there's four points that we can find, that we can see, if we want to look. One, mentioned already, foundations must be solid and deep. Psalm 118 It says, the stone which the builders refused is become the head stone of the corner. That's Psalm 118, verse 22. And you know, those same words, they, they, they appear in the New Testament. Jesus said them. Now, when, when we think about this in the spiritual context... If you, if, if you reject Jesus Christ as the only foundation, the only one, then you're, you're no different than the builders that Jesus is talking about that rejected. They refused. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 28. Oh, I had a title for this message, by the way. I titled it, The Line and the Plummet. The Line and the Plummet. You all know what a plummet is? We call it plumb bobs today. But that's what it is. So, again, let's turn to... um, Isaiah 28, and there's a lot in here. We could spend the rest of our time just talking about what what is right here. There's a lot of things that are are said, just a lot of important things. I'll just pull this out here. It says, at verse 10, it says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You know, that's how a building gets built. You think about laying block. You know, you pour a pour concrete thing, it's just, the, pour, the trucks come, they just keep coming, they just pour it, pour it, pour it, and before you know it, it's done. Of course, there was a lot of work put into putting in forms, but when you, when you lay a building, you've got you've to be careful. There, there's some precision. I mean, a good, good brick layers, good brick uh, layers and, and block layers, masons, they... You know, they can make a wall so straight, it's, it's, uh, you just go, it's uncanny. Of course, it takes, it takes effort, it takes diligence, it takes experience. But they lay one block at a time. And, and they, you know, they're measuring it. They're making sure that it's straight. Because you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to come after them and critique their work. And, and when it's done, they, you know... There, there's a little bit of pride that says, this is my wall. This, this is my foundation. I built it. You know, this, this particular part of Scripture is a warning to Jerusalem. It's a warning to Israel. 
They, they're rejecting what God has given them. Of course, we know that's kind of their history. God kept sending prophets. This is one of them, Isaiah. Sending prophets, sending prophets, telling them what their fate is going to be, telling them to repent. And, you know, sometimes for a little while they did, but they just kind of fell back to their old ways. They fell back to their old building program. Let's just put it that way. Verse 14 there in Isaiah 28, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death and with hell, and we are at agreement, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through it, shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hid ourselves. Now, you, you look at that verse and you go, wow. But it was true. They, they weren't believing God. They weren't hearing the prophet. They weren't hearing the prophets who were coming to them. But rather, they're, they're, they're telling themselves something different. They're believing a lie. They're telling lies and believing their own lie and thinking they're going to be, somehow it's, it's going to be okay, you know. Verse 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Shall not make haste. Shall not make a mistake. It's no mistake to put your trust in Christ. To let him be the foundation of your entire life, your entire world, instead of this earth, he shall not make haste. It's no mistake. And and, and then, this is written, judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies. And the water shall overflow the hiding place. You know, they're saying that, that judgment also I will lay to the line. That's, that's that line that, you know, that, that makes that foundation just right. It's a level line. And the plummet is, is what keeps it straight up and down. And, and Jesus is standard. He's the line. He's the, he's the plummet. You know, you can... Even with, with a, 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 a level, with a plumb bob. You know, a plumb bob is a, is a, I don't know how many people even use them anymore. I, I, I use one. I still use one. You, you drop that line with that weight on there, and it'll pinpoint a spot. Exact spot. It'll do it. You know, it's, it's ancient technology. It's right here. It's ancient technology. But it works. Jesus is that line. Jesus is the plummet. He is Jesus is the foundation. He's the tried stone. He's the sure foundation. He is the focal point. You think about it. The coming of Christ is the focal point of all things from the time of creation to the end of time the focal point the line everything looks to Jesus everything points to Jesus and everyone someday is going to acknowledge that if you don't acknowledge it now Let's now turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. Well, I'd like to read this whole passage. This whole because there's 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 so many good things here. You know, as as Paul begins here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, he, he talks about, about speaking to them 
on a level they're going to be able to understand. And he said, you know, he's coming out right up front and saying, you guys aren't getting it. You know, you, you're having disputes about whether or not I, 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 I'm following Paul, I'm following Apollos. He says, are you not carnal? I said, you're not looking at the focal point. You're looking at me, you're looking at someone else. Look at the focal point. Verse 9, he writes this. He says, for we are laborers together with God. He said, don't look at an individual. Don't, don't point to me. Don't point to this, this, this man. Don't point to this other leader. He said, we are laborers together with God. He says, ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting here. You start looking up words, see what the origins are. But uh, Paul refers to himself as a wise master builder. A master builder. You know, a master builder isn't a, a master carpenter. It's not a master bricklayer in today's terms. He's not a master electrician or master plumber. It's not any of those things. A master builder, here's, here's the Greek word. The Greek word is architecton. The architect. It's not the one who lays the blocks. It's not the one who does the carpentry work. Although there, there's masters in all trades, a building. But he says, as, a, as an architect, he, he's not doing the building. But he, he's an architect. And he says, here is the foundation. Not only that, but when we think of, of uh, structures and how they're built and how architects and engineers are involved in that. Architects and engineers are, are you know, close related kind of trades. But... When structures are built, they must be built exactly as designed according to the building plan. Materials used must be as specified in the the design or failure and disaster may result. Just just calls to mind just now uh, a house we had built uh, previous to the one we're living in now. It had a plan. It had a design. It had prints. And in the final stages of completion, it became very apparent the day that uh, uh, someone came out to put the, the, sh- you know, the decorative shutters on the windows. I guess I hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to the house until the shutters went on. I found out that uh, on one side of the house, the windows were closer together than the other side of the house, and they were supposed to be exactly the same. But it became very apparent when the shutters on one side of the house touched each other and the ones on the other side had space between them. It just looked odd, strange. And so I told the builder, we had a builder for this house, I said, uh, hey, this isn't according to plan. And he kind of said, well, that's good enough. You can live with it. I said, no. There's a plan and there's details and there's measurements. It's not according to plan and it's not good enough. Now, it sounds bad, but that was the facts. And uh, he acted like, well, too bad. And I said, well, you know, we have a final meeting, we have a final payment, and until that's taken care of, until <laughs> the plan is fulfilled exactly, there's no payment. So God gives a plan. Jesus lays out the print, the blueprint for life. He lays it out. We have it. We have 
the blueprint for life. And you might say, well, this thing is really complicated. Well, sometimes plans for a great building are pretty complicated. And we are great in the sight of the Lord. I mean, he gave his son. You know, as I was doing this research here, I came across another situation of a, a uh, collapsed set of walkways at the Hyatt Regency. Oh, Hyatt Regency. That sounds like an American thing, right? Not Bangladesh or Singapore or something. But there was a collapse of two walkways at the Hyatt Regency in Kansas City, Missouri in 1981. 200 people injured, 114 killed. Why? Why? Well, the reason it was stated was due to a late change in the design altering the original engineered design. Evidently, the contractor on site decided that uh, he was going to do it a little bit different than what the plan called for. And it resulted in disaster because they deviated from the original design. Now, think about this in a spiritual sense. When, if we deviate from the design that God has given, what's going to happen? Impending disaster. There's a master builder, and he's got a plan. He's got a print. He's got a way for us to go. Well, didn't he say, I'm the way? I'm the way. Now, it goes on to say here, Now, if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, that doesn't sound like building materials to me. But I think the point here is that when we look at these things, we look at gold, gold is precious. Gold is valuable. Silver, hey, that's pretty precious stuff and valuable. And then there's, there's precious stones. They have great value. And then we get down to wood, hay, and stubble, you know. They're not as durable. They don't last. They're not as precious. There's not much value there. But I think the point that, that's trying to be made here is there are, there are materials that are better than others for building. There are materials that are going to last. They are more precious. It says here that every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and that fire shall try every man's work what sort it is so you know that's going back to that you know that that third question there in the beginning you know there's going to be this day when the sorting out is going to happen and it's going and fire according to this is going to have something to do with how this all works out it's going to be tried by fire Uh, you know as we as we look down a little bit it says uh, in verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The temple, that's another word for a building. Don't you know that, that you are a, a precious building? You're an important building. Don't you realize that? So that was point number three. You know, how you build... And what you build upon matters. How you build it and what you use to build it matters. Another point I'd like to bring out here, and maybe this is the last one. Homes, buildings, even if they're built on solid foundations with good construction and quality materials, what do they need? They need maintenance. Absolutely right. If, we see buildings like this by us. You know, we're in the country, and, and over the years, you know, farms get bought up, and, and maybe someone just buys this particular farm because they want 200 acres. They don't really care about the house. The house is in disrepair. But as long as it stays in disrepair and there's no maintenance done, it's not too long before the roof is falling in, 
the windows are broken, the rain is coming in, and it's, it's, it's crashing. So even if it was built solidly a hundred years ago, today it's coming crashing down because of a lack of maintenance. So it doesn't matter. Sometimes if you, you know, you can have a solid foundation, you can, you can be putting, employing good building materials into it, and we can relate building materials to the, the things that, that Jesus reveals to us. You know, these are the things that we put into our lives, what he says, what he says. Not, remember the other foundation, the earth, now with the earth, now with the central, not the world, but the eternal things, the things that God says. This is what you put in your life. This is, these are the things you put in your life. And the scriptures are full of directives on do these things, put these things in, avoid this, don't do that. And you can say, well, it's a list of do's and don'ts. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit. Let's go to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.4. 4. What do we do for maintenance? Well, actually, I think I'll start with verse 1, 1 Thessalonians, verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and how to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. You know, Jesus gave some directives. He gave some commands, it says here. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, his temple, in sanctification and honor. That's, that's part of maintenance. You know, there's this maintenance uh, that has to be going on and on. It's called the process of sanctification. And that, that can be, you know, God shows you something in your life. And, and maybe for you students, God has shown you something in your life this week. And so you're doing a little maintenance. You're going you're gonna to get rid of that, that part of the temple that is in disrepair, that, that needs to be uh, checked, that needs to be looked at, that needs to be repaired. So, you know, buildings need maintenance. Houses need maintenance. We need maintenance. We've got to be in a maintenance program. I think, uh, I think Brother Dave was talking about that maintenance program this morning. We need it. There's upkeep. Sometimes there's renovation. Renovation. You know what renovation means? Uh, it's more than just uh, a little paint. It's more than a washing it's some major things need to be done. And sometimes that's the case with us. God needs to get a hold of us and do some kind of a major thing in our lives. And sometimes that's called revival. I don't know. Could be. But sometimes it's not as big as revival. You know, this week in the, in the uh, group discussion, we talked about, and it was a point of the, a message, uh, two, you know, convictions. You know, sometimes God has to work in our hearts and, and show us something and, and give us something, give us a conviction, something we need to walk in. That's part of maintenance. It's living a sanctified life. It's, it's a life that pleases God. In verse 7 there it says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. See, that's the maintenance program. Sanctification, holiness, Separation. Let's go over to Second Timothy. Second Timothy and oh, I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians. Not not that far yet. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to, self, uh, to sanct- uh, salvation. 
through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Stand fast and hold to the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. He says, maintain, stand fast, persevere the teachings that, that you have been given. The, he, it says here traditions, but when you look it up, it means the precepts, line upon line. There's things that you have been taught. Let's not discard those things. Let's maintain those things. That's part of the maintenance program. Now let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Oh, there's, there's too much here to even share. But let me just say this. It says here in verse, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is highly important in, in the Christian life. To be studying the word of God. To be like the Bereans. To look at these things. And when someone comes along... Um, and says something, you, you, know, you go to the scriptures and you, you just don't, you know, take it in. Like they say, a hook, line, and sinker. You study to see, is this really what the word of God is saying? And many have been, be, been deceived in these last days. And I say it's the last days because I think it is the last days. Uh, we're in the perilous times. We're in the last times. That's what it says in the next chapter. Uh, the perilous times have come. Just gonna maybe maybe conclude here. Um, you know, there's there's so much more that can be said about this this whole thing of of having a sound foundation, a deep foundation in your life. One thing to maintain too in all this, and speaks of this in First John chapter four, talks about about how you relate to one another. You know, we, uh, we need to have a sanctified life. We have to hear God. We have to study his word. We need devotions. We need, there's so many things we, we really do need to maintain. But let's maintain sound relationships in our lives with the brothers, with your wife, with your children. All these things, they matter. And that's, that all becomes part of uh, this process of maintenance. And why is all this so important? Let's, for some final verses here, turn to the book of Matthew. Turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7, verse 21. Not every man that saith unto me... Well, that's what was said in these other scriptures in Luke. Not every man that... Saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not uh, in, in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto you, uh, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It would seem like, you know, there were, there were some who came to Jesus and who called him Lord. And they even listed off all these uh, things they did. All these, you know, maybe they were building. They, they looked at him as building. We did this. We did this. We're building the kingdom. We're doing this. We're, we did these things. And yet, what did Jesus say? I never knew you. The foundation was never there. So what were they doing? They were building 
on the earth. Maybe their motivations were, were earthly. They were, they were sensual. They, for, they were to be noticed of men. And so there's, right here is a bit of a warning. You know, we, we can do a lot of things. We can do a lot of things on our own strength, and we can even say it's for the Lord, and we can be confused about it all. But without that firm foundation, um, and Jesus is the foundation, we can build all kinds of things, do all kinds of good things, but in that day it says that there are going to be some that Jesus says to, I never knew you. In conclusion, let's realize that there's a master builder. Jesus has a plan, and, and he's given us the instructions. He's given us all that we need and more. There's a plan to follow. Let's make sure that we follow this plan. You know, it's no accident here that these things appear. This, this, uh, where it brings Jesus brings his concern and this warning. It's at the very end of five chapters in my Bible of red letters. These are all the things that Jesus put forth, and at the very end, he says, he he gives a challenge. So know these things, know the things that please uh, the Father, which is in heaven. May the Lord bless you.